The following podcast is brought to you by Lady Norland's Cajun Cafe, RVA's favorite Cajun hideaway, in the fan at the corner of Maine and Stafford. Find out more at ladynorlands.com. Welcome to Rams Rewind, a podcast that looks back at all of the action from VCU men's basketball. After each game, our host George Templeton talks live on Facebook with Ram fans and gives his take on the team's performance. And now, here's George. All right, this is a special edition of Rams Rewind, sponsored by our good friends Lady Nolans in Richmond. Get yourself some Cajun food, prep yourself. Uh, for some, for some maybe late, some, for some late night VCU action on Friday, as they're the last game of the of the conference of the uh, of the day uh, that day when they play when they play in their quarterfinal game. But we'll get to we'll get to that in a moment. This is an Atlantic Ten preview edition of this show here, and uh, let's get right into it. I'm going to spend most of the time on VCU side of the bracket with good reason. But let's just talk about the other side of the bracket re- uh, briefly. Uh, your one seed, of course, is Davidson. Uh, thanks to VCU not winning their last regular season game, Davidson gets the one seed, which means they get that noon slot on Friday uh, on USA Network. By the way, all the games on Friday in the quarterfinals have been carried by USA Network, as are the first round games. Uh, the uh, or excuse me, the uh, second round games, the first round games, which is the uh, uh, the depressing 12, 13, 11, 14 games that are going to be on ESPN Plus, and those are going to be Wednesday. But you have Davidson, and they will play either Fordham or George Mason. Now, how much trouble could they have with either of them? Well, Davidson got Fordham twice in the regular season. Now, at Fordham, they were in they were in a little bit of peril uh, in that game in the second half and managed to pull it out, but it was only 69-66 now when they played Fordham in the rematch at Anna Belk Arena. Uh, they, just, uh, they just smothered Fordham and won 66-45. They did play George Mason also at the Belk Arena right after they played Fordham. In fact, it was less than a week ago that they did that at the time of this recording, and they beat George Mason 73-62. Uh, Davidson, and and one of the things that's going to that that's going to be that I'm going to talk quite a bit about is the seed list that uh, Joe Lenardi put out on Twitter uh, at the time of this recording uh, it would have been Monday night, um, and of course by the time you hear this, it'll be Tuesday. And it'll have changed a little bit. But Davidson on the seed list is one of the last four buys. They are they are 43. And according to Lenardi, they're one of the teams with at least a 90% chance of making the tournament. You'd like to think that if Davidson wins that first game, that they'll be fine. That, that, that even if they were to lose a semifinal, either to St. Louis or St. Bonaventure, as long as it is one of those two teams, that they would not have any issues. But that said... It's not a long way down. It's not a long way down, or it's not as long as you think from from where they are as one of the last four buys to oh my goodness, they're they're one of the last four in, or even one of the first four out. And you just never know how these things are going to go. And it's interesting because VCU on that seed list is is seventy four, so they're one of the next four out. And you think to yourself, well, damn, they have to jump over. You know, five, six, seven, eight teams to get in the tournament. It's not nearly as daunting as you think. Number one, because quite often you get upsets of these teams that are on the bubble, and they can fall behind you as a result. Especially if you win, 
and you have situations like this, for instance, you know, VCU's behind Virginia and Virginia Tech, you know, both of whom are playing in the ACC tournament. And if they can't get past the quarterfinal, because if they can get past the quarterfinal, they'll have probably beaten somebody that will really boost them. But if they can't get past the quarterfinal and VCU were to beat one of the other teams that's in front of them, there's every chance that VCU would, ju- would jump past them. And speaking of that team that's in front of them, it's Dayton, who we'll talk about in more depth and detail in a minute. Dayton's one of those teams in front of them. VCU could have a semifinal with them. Indiana's one of those teams in front of them. They have Michigan uh, in the in their in their tournament opener. That's going to be a really tough game. BYU's one of the teams in front of VCU, and their season is done. They lost in that conference tournament out in the West Coast to San Francisco. Uh, in what is, I guess, would have been the second or third round of that tournament because they do a weird bracket format. So VCU can jump ahead of all those teams. But, you know, some of these and these last four in teams are pretty vulnerable. Southern Methodist, Wyoming, Wake Forest, Xavier. You know, if any of them lose their first conference tournament game, uh, then they're all vulnerable and could and could drop down and VCU could jump ahead of them. So that's that's the interesting thing here. But Davidson, who you know we started this conversation with, the one seed, you'd like to think that if they get past Fordham or George Mason and they get a quality opponent in the semifinal, which is you know LaSalle, likely uh, St. Bonaventure or St. Louis, then you'd like to think that they're in. And and that's the interesting thing. A, a lot of VCU fans in our group, the good and the bad and the ugly, did not want to be the number one seed because they felt that the nut being on the other side of the bracket was better. Well, the argument is good in this regard that, you know, a semifinal with either St. Louis or St. Bonaventure. St. Louis has just beaten VCU, and St. Bonaventure, who pasted them up in Olean, New York, and then VCU got them back, but that was without Oshun Oshuni, who's going to play, and it played very well uh, against Richmond the other night. Uh, neither one of those teams looked a very appetizing prospect for VCU in a semifinal, and they do avoid them both. And you can imagine that if it is St. Louis versus Bonaventure, which would be the second game of the afternoon session on Friday, that will be an absolute war. That will also be St. Bonaventure trying to beat St. Louis a third time, which we know is very difficult. Uh, Saint, for that to happen, though, St. Louis has to get past the winner of LaSalle and St. Joseph's. Uh, St. Joseph's uh, played in that early, what I would call punishment round last year, and then actually pulled an upset to get into the to get into the quarterfinal. Uh, so it is it is it is possible that they could that they could pull something like that off again. You wouldn't expect it, but that that'll bear watching. But that you know, if if it ends up if it ends up St. Bonaventure versus St. Louis, and the winner hasn't played Davidson, that's going to be a hard two days <laughs> for whoever gets through there. So that is the other side of the bracket. Now I'm going to spend some time. I'm going to spend most of my time on the side of the bracket VCU's on. First and foremost, Dayton is the two seed by virtue of the fact that they went one and zero against Davidson, and VCU only went one and one. They will play George Washington or Massachusetts. Now that is interesting because both of those teams, both of those teams, uh, have something about them that I think could make them dangerous. Um, in the case of George Washington, what they have is firepower. Uh, when you look at the scoring charts, and yes, some of this is, you know, some teams play faster so that they have more opportunity to score. George Washington is one of three teams in the A-10 that's got two players in the top 10 in scoring. James Bishop averages 16.8, which is tied for third with Darius Quisenberry from Fordham. 
and Joe Bamisil, Monacan High School, uh, which for some of those of you in podcast land that don't know, that's that means he's local to uh, the Richmond area and VCU. Joe Bamisil averages 16 points, which is tied with Jalen Attaway. And just behind uh, St. Louis's Gibson Jimerson, who tuned us up last weekend. So the fact that you got two really good scores like that to me always makes you dangerous. I don't, I don't care, you know, what what your record is, what your seed is, you know, two guys like that can get forty five or fifty combined in the game, and then all of a sudden you're in big trouble unless you really stop everybody else. And it's interesting, you know, the, they have two in the top ten. George Mason, who's again, you know, lower seed, they have two in the top ten. They have the conference scoring leader Josh Durrow and Sean Schwartz, who, who's tenth. Uh, and, uh, you know, that makes them tough. And then Davidson's got two in the top ten. They got Foster Lawyer, who's number two, at 16.9, and Young Jung Lee uh, at 16.5 is number six. So, you know, that's that's uh, you don't see that in the conferences a lot, but there you go. And if you're curious, VC, the, high, the highest scoring player for VCU is Vince Williams. He is 17th at 13-3 a game. So, you know, that's, that's what makes – to me that to me is what makes George Washington – See, the minute seed seventh, and again, you know, another thing about George Washington that to me makes them dangerous is uh, they they played they had a slow start to their uh, to their seat to their conference season. I think they were zero and four. I'm going to check that in a minute, but they got they got up and got rolling in the middle of it. You know, they got they got pasted by Dayton at home. Dayton uh, Dayton. And this was January when George Washington was kind of still getting their stuff together. Uh, uh, and it was also the bounce back game for for Dayton after they after they lost controversially just in some people's minds to VCU, and Dayton la- la- leathered them in 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 the district eighty three fifty eight and then leathered them again in early February eighty to fifty four. But I think it was in between those two games, if I'm not mistaken, George Washington kind of got rolling a little bit. So again, we have yet another game where somebody's trying to beat another team three times. So it, you know that's and as we say. Even when there's a golf in class, that can be tougher than you think. So yeah, uh, George uh, uh, George Washington was you know was zero and two, having gotten walloped by Dayton and VCU. Then they actually snuck one pa- snuck past Mason, uh, but they were they were two and they were two and four in the conference, and then they kind of got cooking a little bit. Uh, they got they got cooking a little bit. Uh, one one of uh, one uh, five out of seven in, in the middle of the conference season, and of course one of those losses was to Dayton. Uh, so I, you know I, I think George Washington, even though Dayton's beaten them soundly twice, I think George Washington is live if they can get through that game. But they got to get through that game first. The other, the, of course, they're playing UMass, and you think, well, you know, UMass is a tenth seed. What you don't know about UMass, and this is. This is fascinating because you don't see this often. UMass has basically told their coach he's already not coming back. Uh, uh, and and not only have they that, there's now a report out, and I'm gonna let me make sure I credit the right person because I actually saw this tweet and favorited it on there. Uh, there is now a report from Michael Bergman, who's in who's in the uh, who's involved with the three bid league pod. That Massachusetts, not letting the grass grow under their feet, have already are are getting close to hiring uh, Connecticut associate head coach Kamani Young. Uh, of course, that means you know this is a guy that's uh, working for Danny Hurley over there in Connecticut. So, you know, their coach is is not only going to be 
out the door, they may already have a dead gum replacement. So what you don't know and what you cannot, you, you cannot uh, even, even attempt to, to try and uh, figure out is, is what, what kind of emotional, what kind of an emotional situation is that going to cause? Because it's, you know, the parallel that I come up with is, is, is very admittedly an ancient one, but this is, this is something that I, that I, that, that was called back to me, uh, back, this was back in the days when, uh, when some conferences didn't finish their conference tournaments before the selection Sunday show happened. Colorado in the big eight in 1990 were two and 12 in the big eight, 12 and ended up 12 and 18 overall. They they basically announced that their coach was going to be fired. Colorado upset Missouri, who was the regular season champion, and in the top ten in the country, amazingly, and then beat Oklahoma State in the semifinal and ended up in the final and actually gave Oklahoma. And this was this was you know this was Oklahoma when they had Billy Tubbs and they were really really good. Uh, gave Oklahoma a game before losing, and and you know that was with a coach that was that was destined to get the to get the boot that year and you know that's one of those things i mean you don't know how a team's going to react to that they know their coach is getting fired are they not going to care because they know he's out the door and because they're already thinking of you know they're already thinking of their next career or their next school they're going to transfer to or you know are they going to rise up and play hard for him and be you know and, and maybe be a team that can cause a lot of lot of trouble in the in, in these uh in this tournament um now Dayton played UMass recently they played UMass uh February 23rd and and, and thrashed them fairly comprehensively 82 61 I'm trying to see if they played them twice or not they played up there in uh, Amherst and then the answer is no they did not play them in the Hammer so that was their only uh that was the only game against them so again you you'd think Dayton would have wouldn't it? Dayton's played the two teams there the the either or matchup they've got they played them three times and they walloped them all three times but again tournament play funny things happen again but you'd expect Dayton to go through and in a sense if you're VCU it would be better for Dayton to go through because here's the other interesting thing you know they Dayton's just ahead of them on that seed list both teams won both the road teams won in that series of course VCU did not have Vince Williams uh, in the second game but VCU might need to beat Dayton to kind of prove it to the committee. And the interesting thing is Dayton's 52 in the net. So by the time we get to that semifinal, if it happens on a, on a, on a Saturday, that could be a quad one opportunity. That could be a quad one game because if you're in the top 50 in the net and you play on a neutral floor, which this is playing in Washington, D.C., that becomes a top 50 game. And by the way, uh, a – Potential VCU Dayton semifinal, if we get that far, will be the second game in the afternoon on CBS Sports Network, approximately three thirty. So that's that's the one little part of VCU's half the bracket. Now we have VCU's part, and we get one of the punishment game rounds potentially. Rhode Island plays Duquesne uh, in the second game of that uh, of that of that round of that first round. Rhode Island the eleven, Duquesne the fourteen. It's been an awful year for Duquesne. Let's uh, let's not sugarcoat this. Uh, Duquesne has had a, just a, just a horrendous year with injuries, and COVID, and everything else. Uh, one in sixteen in the conference. 
Um, six and twenty-three overall. I'm going to try. I'm, I'm looking to see who they beat in conference play because I'm actually curious. Because uh, I actually forgot that they won conference. Oh, they they beat UMass, and ironically, uh, that was their conference opener. <laughs> oh my goodness! I mean, that's that's really tough. That's really, really, really tough. Uh, yeah, they, they won their conference opener against Massachusetts, admittedly because three conference games they had before that were either postponed or canceled. They won that 78-74 at UMass, which I guess that was a clue that uh, it was not going to be a good year for Matt McCall. And then only barely lost the next one to Fordham on the road, so they were nearly 2-0 and and on the road to start the season. And then it just – it just things just went south for them. And, you know, I don't think Keith Danbrot's in any trouble because I don't think any coach could have got much out of – uh, Duquesne this year with all the problems they had, but you know he never admitted. But I would imagine that he's going to be quite ready for this season to be over and quite ready to to get to uh, to get back out there uh, with a new team and maybe some transfers and some Fred some quality freshmen coming in and just shake off this this season because he's certainly a better coach than that and that's certainly a better program than that. And there's just you know they, but th- this year was just an absolute nightmare. And so we have Rhode Island, and of course they're playing Rhode Island. Uh, Rhode Island, let's see, when they played Duquesne, they beat Duquesne in Kingston, seventy to fifty-four. Uh, Rhode Island, Rhode Island doesn't look like much of a threat on paper. They had a good start to the conference season, uh, actually a very good start. I mean, they lost, they lost a close game at Davidson in their conference opener, and then won three in a row: St. Joe's, UMass, and LaSalle. And then they just absolutely hit the hit the freaking rocks. Their only win from from late January to uh, to when they won on Senior Day against Duquesne was ironically against Davidson. So that is the one thing that makes you makes you think is that well, you know, David's they gave Davidson a game. They they upset Davidson at home. They played Dayton twice, and both games were close. They lost by two at Dayton, and they lost by six at home. So they've been competitive in, in these games. They were they were fairly competitive at VCU, even though I don't I think that was one of the games in that winning streak where VCU led for either all of it or most of it. Uh, they only lost by nine there. So and and they only lost by six against St. Louis at home. So I mean, it's funny. Rhode Island is interesting because Rhode Island definitely plays up and down to its competition. And even though they've got a lot of losses this year and they're playing in that punishment round, which is unusual for them, they've, they have battled hard against the really good teams in this league and given them problems. So if they get by Duquesne, which I think most of us would expect, it is certainly not a gimme for the Richmond Spiders that they're going to get through them. I mean, they, you would expect them to, and, and I would expect them to, although I will point out that I believe – in this similar situation a year ago, Richmond played, I think, St. Joe's and lost. Uh, Richmond, and this, of course, will be the last game on thir- on Thursday, Richmond uh, on USA. Richmond will play either Rhode Island or Duquesne. But, you know, Rhode Island could cause Richmond a few issues here. Uh, you know, again, proud program that's down, that's had an unusually down year again, had some good players graduate, had some good players enter the transfer portal like Fats Russell. And, you know, it's a tough year this year for them. But you, I would expect them to bounce back under David Cox and not be this bad next year. But they could be they could be pesky. And, look, VC, VCU is not going to be thrilled either way unless somehow Duquesne gets through. I think they wouldn't, be, they wouldn't mind that if somehow Duquesne could, 
could, could somehow win two games in the conference tournament after winning one all season. Although what's funny about that is, as, as was detailed as I detailed the other day, um, or as we were talking about it on in the good, the bad, the ugly group the other day, when they in VCU's eight game winning streak, the game in which they trailed the most was the Duquesne game, which was game one. Of course, didn't have Vince Williams in that game, but they trailed. I think it was like 22 minutes in that game. And that was uh, far more than any of the other games in the eight-game winning run that they had uh, where they trailed at all. You know, in basically five games, they didn't trail at all or barely trailed. But let's presume for the moment that the chalk holds, and then that means VCU-Richmond for a third time. Uh, I'm excited about this, and I'll tell you why. Because, again, I – I would be worried about VCU overconfidence normally, but I can't imagine when it's your rival and when you know that you're going to hear it, that you're going to get absolutely pelted from all sides if you lose after beating them twice. I can't imagine VCU won't have the eye of the tiger there. Uh, the game at the Robin Center featured a fantastic finish, and that was Vince Williams' game, you know, game, uh, three-pointer to break the tie late. Absolutely been gigantic. Um, what a what an unbelievable finish! And that was you know one of the best games that Vince Williams has played this year. Uh, in a year that's uh, you know pretty likely that he's going to end up being an All Conference player and may even end up being Player of the Year in the conference. Uh, he was this was this was that stretch of games where there was Vince Williams magic seemingly everywhere. <laughs> he was he was just. He was making every big play it seemed like to win us games, and 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 so it proved there. Uh, so that was that was January 29th. Uh, that was the third consecutive win before Dayton unfortunately got a hold of them without without Vince Williams. Dayton got, actually got a hold of VCU in the game at the Siegel Center, and then the second meeting uh, was was interesting too, as as VCU did not start well in that game. Richmond led by eight late into the first half, and then VCU just absolutely dropped the hammer on them. A, a, a monstrous run that spanned the end of the first half and into the second half. Um, you know, VCU was, was just unbelievable in the second half and really, really destroyed Richmond thoroughly and totally and completely. Uh, as is, was mentioned by, I think, it's Todd St. Pierre, who's one of our admins in the good and the bad and the ugly group. VCU has dominated Richmond at the A-10 tournament. And, I, and, and to me, that's the other crucial factor of this is that, you know, there's some talk about Chris Mooney's job and whether he's going to be out of a job or not. You know, this might be the game that, that makes or breaks that. We don't know because uh, he's been there a long time. And, you know, they – They've had the players from two years ago when they had a really good team and were going to be in the NCAA tournament until COVID screwed the world. Uh, but they haven't done much since. And, you know, a, a third loss to VCU in a, in a conference tournament would probably be disastrous for, for Coach Mooney and his chances to keep that job. But, you know, I, I really expect that VCU will not be overconfident. They'll have the eye of the tiger. I mean, look, it was so funny about that. You know, we call you and you want, you want to go back and listen to it, you can. But at the point where Richmond was up 28 20, uh, they probably should have been much further ahead. I mean, VCU was really struggling. And then VCU put that great run together, 
at the end of the first half, and then just it was unbelievable. That second half was 20 of the best minutes of basketball VCU's played all year. Uh, and and I, I feel fairly confident. I'm, I'm, the one thing is, the one thing that may prove a lot of the people in our group right is that it is being in this half of the draw. You'd expect VCU to have the eye of the tiger against Richmond because it's a rival and against Dayton because Dayton, you know, basically kicked sand in their face and slapped them silly at, at the Siegel Center. And even if you write that off because of Vince Williams' injury, those players ain't going to write that off because they're going to remember that. And you'd think against Dayton, especially with everything else that's on the line, that Dayton would be – that VCU would have the – it would be like waving the red cape in front of the bull if VCU gets a third third game with Dayton. And look, you know, they, they played each other in the tournament last year. And VC was able to account for him, so that's uh, that that should, uh, you know, and so that and that and that's one thing. It'll be on that'll be on Dayton's mind too. Is that you know, before that route at the Siegel Center, VCU had had the wood on Dayton for about the last year or so. So it's going to be it's going to be a very interesting uh, a tournament. Uh, you've got Dayton who's on the bubble, VCU's on the bubble. The Commonwealth of Virginia, the entire Commonwealth of Virginia, except for Longwood, is on the bubble. You know, VCU and Tech and and UVA all all in that first four out, next four out uh, designation. They're all trying to get there. Um, so, and and of course, and, and of course, just to complete the the complete, complete the Commonwealth talk, we have Norfolk State trying to win the MEAC again. But it, it's it's just going to be a fascinating tournament. Uh, you do get chalk every now and then in this tournament. You had chalk last year. You had you had one versus two, but usually the 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 eight the eight ten tournament is one where you know wacky things happen and and you get you can get some crazy results. Um, what was it? Let's see here. You know, you go back to twenty nineteen, and you had you had a final with you know six versus four. You had St. Louis versus St. Bonaventure in part because VCU lost as a number one seed there. So you had six versus four in the final and, and St. Louis won out of the six hole, which is the same hole that Richmond's in now. Uh, and you know, ironically, uh, St. Louis beat Richmond and only barely beat Richmond in that first, in that first, uh, in that first game. So that just, that just shows you right there. So it's going to be, you, you can't ever be sure with this tournament. One seeds don't win it a lot. St. Bonaventure did win it last year. But it doesn't. That doesn't happen a lot. One seed winning, one versus two in the final. That doesn't happen a lot uh, either. And and so you know that again somewhere. And hopefully it's not VCU. But you know you never know. Somewhere there's usually the old sting in the tail. Something something screwy happens. And and you get you can get somebody coming through there that you don't expect. Um, Certainly, the eyes of the bubble world will be on there because they'll all be rooting for Davidson. Because if Davidson wins, there is a decent chance that the A10 will be a one bid league, which has not happened hardly at all in the last in, in this conference's history, and it certainly hasn't happened any time in the last you know decade plus. So that's that's what's at stake. That is what is at stake there uh, for for the. Uh, for the for the teams that are not in there, and because look, when you when you're on the bubble, you are scoreboard watching everywhere. I can I can confess to that. 
as a VCU fan, and it it was funny. We were talking about it in the group today, but it came up in my Facebook memories. I don't know about you, got folks out there in podcast land. Uh, at the time I was recording this, is the anniversary of, of course of 2011, where VCU lost the final Monday night to Old Dominion, and it looked for all the world like they weren't going to make the tournament. They did make the tournament in the first four, and we all know what happened next. So that's. And that experience Monday, that Monday night to Sunday was excruciating because there were just so many, there were so many permutations and so many teams that were on the bubble that you had to worry about. And, and you had to hope that things were going to break your way. And in some case, and in many cases they did. And that's, that's what happened. That's, that's how it happened. And We'll see what happens this week. Uh, the, the good thing is, unlike that time, VCU was not playing and they couldn't do anything about it. At least now they, they're playing this year and they can do something about it. So that's that to me is that to me is the key here, is 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 having that opportunity, and being able to determine it yourself. Because look, as as other people will say, and it is cliche, but it's true. It's like you the best way to the best way to get off the bubble is to win your conference tournament. Because then you don't have to worry about diddly flipping squat, and that's truth. It's absolutely the truth. So that is it. I want to thank everybody for listening uh, to the to this out there in uh, podcast land. Remember our friends, Lady Nolans. Get yourself some Cajun food. That that late Friday night tip time. I sounds like a perfect pregame meal to me. Um, and it might be a pretty good uh, brunch meal before a. Uh, before a semifinal on Saturday, if VCU gets that far, or even the more appetizing thought of a uh, Sunday final, which, by the way, if they do make the Sunday final, that's big CBS, the main network, one o'clock. So you know, maybe a little, maybe a little, maybe a nice little uh, Cajun brunch uh, on Sunday uh, would wouldn't sound too bad if VCU's in the final. So thank you all for listening. Uh, the plan is, and I will huddle with my producer on this, but the plan is to have uh, recaps uh, for every game that they're in the tournament, which will hopefully be three of them and hopefully be three winning recaps. Happily, with that, the only good thing about that VCU losing that game to St. Louis is uh, that being in that late Friday night slot, there should be no question that I will be here watching the game with you in the, in the good and the bad and the ugly group and recording the podcast that night and sending it out the next day. So. Uh, looking forward to this. This is one of the greatest weeks in sports in the year. The, the weeks of the conference tournaments and then the NCAA tournament, for me, it doesn't get any better than that. And I look forward to sharing it with you and talking with you about it. So thank you all for listening, and uh, have a good night, everybody. To submit a question for George to answer in an upcoming episode or to inquire about sponsorship opportunities for this podcast, please email ramsrewind at gmail.com. To participate in the post-game Facebook Live with George, join the Facebook group VCU Basketball Fans, The Good, The Bad, The Ugly. We'll be back after the next game, and thanks for listening to this episode of Rams Rewind.